Ethics issues can trap the unwary lawyer who maintains a personal profile on LinkedIn or other social media platforms. But with a little effort and care, you can learn to navigate those pitfalls. I'm Jeff Krause, and you're listening to The Portable Ethics Lawyer. Today, we're joined by Terry Garland, Vice President and Senior Loss Prevention Counsel at Alas. Hello and welcome, Terry. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be here. Let's start off with a basic point. Just to be clear, the rules of professional conduct can apply even when a lawyer is using his personal account on social media, correct? That's right, although of course it depends on which rule. Some rules apply only to conduct that occurs in the representation of clients. But other rules, such as the obligation to protect clients' confidential information, apply all the time, even when lawyers are off-duty. In this episode, we'll focus on potential pitfalls in a lawyer's personal profile on social media accounts. In future episodes, we'll take on issues such as using social media to research witnesses and jurors. When it comes to a social media profile, what can a lawyer say about her professional background? Providing a basic professional bio listing your law school, the firm where you work, prior employers, job titles, and that sort of thing is fine as long as the information is accurate and not misleading. When you go beyond that and get into describing the types of matters you've handled and the clients you've represented, that's when issues start to arise. Including that type of content can trigger the rules regarding attorney advertising and solicitation. It can also lead to confidentiality issues. Are you saying that if a lawyer includes a description of her prior engagements on her personal LinkedIn profile, that could trigger the attorney advertising rules? That's right, it could, though it will depend on what the description says and which jurisdiction's rules apply. According to a California ethics opinion, Formal Opinion 2012-186, posts about general legal information, such as recommendations of articles, would not trigger the advertising rules. In contrast, posts containing information about an attorney's legal practice such as complaints she filed and victories she achieved in court, might trigger the rules. It can also get tricky when lawyers are subject to conflicting authorities on this issue. When does that happen? It's most likely to happen when lawyers are admitted in multiple jurisdictions, such as lawyers who are admitted in Maryland and D.C. And once in a while, there can be conflicting guidance from authorities that are interpreting the rules of the same jurisdiction. For example, There's currently a split in ethics opinions from the New York County Lawyers Association and the New York City Bar. What's that about? The New York County opinion, which is number 748, is similar to the California opinion. It said that a LinkedIn profile containing only biographical information would not qualify as attorney advertising under the New York rules. But it also said that if the profile contained information about the attorney's practice areas and skills, among other things, it should be treated as falling within the advertising rules. The New York City Bar Opinion, its number 2015-7, adopted a different approach. It concluded that a LinkedIn profile constitutes attorney advertising only if its primary purpose is to attract new clients for pecuniary gain, and it set forth a handy five-step test to use in applying that standard. What should lawyers do if they are subject to conflicting authorities on this issue? 
the lawyer should start by consulting his firm's general counsel, who can help navigate the rule. And also, there's a D.C. ethics opinion, it's number 370, that provides some good advice. It says that prudent attorneys should consider the most restrictive rules applicable to them when using self-promotional features on social media. Does that mean we should all comply with the most restrictive rule because Facebook and LinkedIn are accessible globally? No, the D.C. opinion says that lawyers should choose the most restrictive rule applicable to them. That makes sense when we're talking about lawyers who are admitted in multiple jurisdictions or faced with conflicting opinions on the same rules. But that's not the same thing as saying that everyone should do a 50-state survey. If the attorney advertising rules apply to a lawyer's social media profile, what are the practical consequences? The rules raise a whole host of concerns, but five issues pop up over and over again. First, must the attorney include a statement identifying the profile or post as attorney advertising? Many state rules say that if a statement falls within the attorney advertising rules, it must include some sort of label or banner identifying it as attorney advertising. What about disclaimers? Well, that's the second issue. Some states require disclaimers in certain circumstances. For example, New York Rule 7.1 says that a statement describing or characterizing the quality of a lawyer's or law firm's services should be accompanied by a disclaimer stating, prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. In addition, the statement cannot be false or misleading, and the lawyer must be able to factually support the statement as of the date it was disseminated. Lawyers also may be subject to policies at their firms that require disclaimers pointing out that posts to their social media accounts are made in their personal capacity and not on behalf of their firm. What's the third issue? That would be endorsements and testimonials from clients. Some jurisdictions allow them. Some allow them if they are accompanied by a disclaimer. Some don't allow particular types of endorsements, such as an endorsement from a judge, and some don't allow them at all. Even if your jurisdiction does allow endorsements and testimonials, you should review them to make sure they're accurate. And if you paid money or gave anything else of value in return for them, then you may have to disclose that, or it might be prohibited altogether. I'm afraid to ask, but what's the next issue? Oh, it's not so bad. Lawyers will want to avoid any prohibited words or statements. For example, some jurisdictions restrict the ability to use the S-words, specialized and specialist, or the E-words, expert and expertise. Those jurisdictions prohibit lawyers from saying they specialize or have expertise in a particular area of law, unless they meet certain certification standards. Wow, that takes us to number five. What's that one? The fifth issue concerns honors and awards. Is it okay for your profile to say that you've been designated as a super lawyer, for example? The various ethics opinions on this issue seem to agree that it's fine to publicize awards, as long as the awards are based on the lawyer's qualifications rather than awarded in return for paying a fee or joining an organization. Beware of those emails announcing that you've been designated world's best lawyer and all you have to do is to pay $150 for your frame certificate. Instead, awards should be based on things like surveys of peer lawyers, years in practice, trial victories, significant deals closed, and the like. Even then, some states may impose additional requirements. Can you give us an example? Sure. 
the New Jersey Supreme Court Committee on Attorney Advertising issued a notice declaring that a New Jersey lawyer must not describe herself as being a super lawyer or the best lawyer. Instead, she should say she's been included in the list called super lawyers or the best lawyers in America. She must also include information about the organization issuing the award, the methodology it uses, and a disclaimer saying the ad has not been approved by the New Jersey Supreme Court. We've posted a copy of the New Jersey Notice on the landing page for this podcast, which is accessible to everyone through our website. Is there anything else on the attorney advertising rules? There are other issues, but we've covered the most common concerns, and I know we want to move on to confidentiality. There's more to confidentiality than avoiding disclosure of privileged information, right? Absolutely. Under Model Rule 1.6, confidential information is very broad. The rule says that unless an exception applies, attorneys shall not reveal information relating to the representation of a client without the client's consent. Information relating to the representation is a lot broader than information protected by the attorney-client privilege. A social media profile that describes engagements a lawyer has handled and clients he has represented could easily cross the line and disclose information protected by Rule 1.6 or, when it comes to former clients, Rule 1.9. But isn't most of that information likely to be a matter of public record? Yes, but in most states, that doesn't matter. You can't disclose those facts even if they're in the public record. In fact, earlier this year, ABA Formal Opinion 480 warned lawyers not to blog about information relating to the representation of a client, including information contained in public records, unless the lawyer obtained the client's permission or the disclosure was otherwise authorized by the ethics rules. What's next? Will lawyers be banned from even mentioning their clients' names? Funny you should say that. The ABA ethics opinion also states that even client identity is protected under Rule 1.6, but actually the authorities go both ways on the issue. In many situations, a client's identity is not considered confidential information. On the other hand, some ethics opinions have distinguished disclosures made to serve a lawyer's own interest such as listing clients in marketing materials, from disclosures made for the purpose of representing clients. The authorities that focus on the lawyer's purpose argue against naming clients in the lawyer's social media profile, unless the client consents. Is there anything else to consider when it comes to a lawyer's social media profile? Yes, there's one last thing I want to mention. When you create a new profile, or sometimes even after that, you may receive a message asking whether you want to upload your email contacts or find out whether your friends are already using the same platform, which is another way of asking for access to your email contacts. What's wrong with that? As the D.C. Ethics Opinion noted, a lawyer's email contacts may contain information the lawyer is obligated to protect. For example, you probably have the contact information for your expert witness in your contacts long before you disclose their identity to the other side. You might also have information that could be embarrassing to your client or yourself. So be very careful before you allow a social networking platform to access your contacts or send emails inviting them to connect. Terry, it sounds like lawyers should just stay off social media. Is that the conclusion here? Not at all. We just want to make lawyers aware of the relevant rules so they can use social media safely. Well, that's a relief. 
Can you sum up those rules for our listeners? Yes, there's a lot of variation in state rules, which makes it hard to generalize. But in keeping with my theme today, I have five tips. Number one, it's okay to include professional biographical information, such as your law school, law firm, and job titles. Number two, if you go beyond that, you might have to label your profile as attorney advertising or comply with other rules. Number three, don't identify your clients by name without their permission unless you're sure that's allowed in your state. Number four, avoid words like specialize and expert unless your state allows them. And number five, know your state's rules on publicizing honors, awards, endorsements, and testimonials. Great advice. Thanks for joining us today. Good times. Until next time, I'm Jeff Krause, and this is The Portable Ethics Lawyer. This podcast is provided for educational purposes to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2018 by Attorneys Liability Assurance Society. All rights reserved.